Ladies and gentlemen, one, two, three, Want to be better, richer, happier? Of course you do. Welcome to the Be Less Crap podcast. Let's go. A podcast devoted to helping you become a less mediocre human. With your host, very much a work in progress herself, Charlotte Sherston. Hello and welcome. My name is Charlotte and this is the Be Less Crap podcast. And the fine person I'm going to be chatting to today about how we can elevate our lives from mediocrity is journalist, author and screenwriter Amal Awad. Uh, welcome to the show, Amal. Thanks for taking time out of your day to chat with us. Thank you for having me, Charlotte. Um, now, whilst Amal, she may not say this, but she is something of an overachiever in the literary world, having authored five books already. Um, today, my focus is going to be on her latest book, which is called In My Past Life, I Was Cleopatra, uh, which is described as a, a sceptical believer's journey through the new age. Now, you do a lot of weird stuff in the name of research for this book, Amal. Um, maybe let's just kick off with a bit of a description about what a potential reader might find if she's going to read the book. And also maybe just a little bit about what exactly New Age practices are or might look like, just for the people who might not know. Well, actually, that, that's an excellent question, because I think the reason why I wrote the book was I really wanted to drill down and try to understand what New Age really is, because I grew up in a religious household. I think I've always had a bit of a, a bit of an interest, I guess, in spirituality and the unknown and what, what we can't see. And I noticed that as I got older, uh, there were things that I wanted to try that didn't fall within sort of a strict dogmatic approach to life because I wanted to feel better. Like your intro said it all, we all want a better life and we think the answer lies in something outside of us. I, I think the book was an opportunity to really try to understand belief, what drives us, uh, why we need so many different cars to get to the same destination or vehicles. And I think New Age is, uh, I always think of it sort of as a smorgasbord. It's a spiritual buffet. And it's pretty confusing if you don't really know what you're doing because uh, it's not actually new. New Age is really, it's sort of a, co a collection, I suppose, of uh, existing traditions and ideas melded together, separated chopped up to look new, <laughs> um, it's actually not new. And so that's what the book is really exploring. It's really my exploration of things that I had already understood and things I was yet to understand, bringing it all together to sort of say, okay, you know, it's, it's important to have some practices or ideas about how we can make ourselves stronger, more resilient, less needy, uh, less reliant on the external world because a lot of what we're seeing especially with self-help is this need to be perfect okay so in terms of the new age world I agree I was kind of quite spectacle uh spectacle skeptical um it's a really easy industry to mock um but it's also equally a very easy industry to get sort of sucked into and spend a lot of money in um you mentioned a number of times in the book that women tend to be more attracted to new age beliefs than men. Um, what do you think it is that attracts people? I mean, you've touched on it a bit. It's about trying to find some meaning for us and, and, and some sort of route to enlightenment or to, yeah, getting up and feeling like there is a, a reason for us doing so. Um, why do you think women are particularly attracted to these sort of practices more than men? I mean, there, I think there would be a lot of reasons why. I think, for example, well-being solutions, women might be experiencing conditions or pain that aren't necessarily taken very seriously. So I cover that in the scepticism chapter, which is it's quite important. I went to this conference and one of the ladies there was talking about how, you know, women just don't get taken seriously when they have health issues. So they will go to alternative practices 
uh, they'll be more open-minded about things like that because they feel understood or heard. Uh, when it comes to the spiritual side, I'm not sure if it's just a, a sense of a, an openness we have to being more vulnerable, uh, to connecting. Uh, we tend to be quite intuitive. Women tend to be very driven by their inner, inner feelings. I'm generalizing a lot here. Uh, in the new age, there's a lot of talk of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. So apply it that way if you wish, which is that, you know, you could be male, but you're very feminine in terms of your energy. But women just, uh, they tend to congregate in that way. Men would be very self-conscious, uh, and I also they don't tend to events. overthink things, you know, again, broadly generalization, they don't tend to overthink and worry and obsess about things maybe as much as, as women do. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose so. I think it comes down to vulnerability because you have to be quite vulnerable in those spaces. You're, you're saying, hey, I need help with something. I really think it comes down to a person, a person's self, uh, sort of how they perceive themselves, and if they're easily embarrassed, they're not going to go to a ritualized event. Just and you have to, you that. have to kind of let go and give it a go. I, a friend of mine was um, studying dance therapy, and she said, "I'll give you a free." free class you know if you come along because she needed the hours and I mean thank god I went to drama school but otherwise I mean it would fill you with absolute cringe it's I mean it's it's embarrassing someone sits there watching you while you free from not really dance move um so you you do have to kind of with all of these things I think whether it be suspend your disbelief a little bit if you're thinking about it scientifically or just kind of go with it just you know yeah. if you're going to be an idiot be an idiot with pride and just yeah, allow nightmare, yourself right? getting up and dancing for a stranger <laughs> you know uh what's that saying dance like nobody's watching we would much rather do that but, hell yeah <laughs> you know but but the thing i would say about that is actually you 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 raise a really important point there i think it's really important for people to understand there's no one size fits all i'm not offering people a solution to their problems or a sense of um hey read my book and suddenly you will know what to do in terms of one particular path, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying there are so many ways for you to understand yourself better, to feel better, to not live a life filled with anxiety and dread and feel like you're living a life where you're just ticking boxes every day. And that's what so many of us do. I wrote this from a place of understanding and empathy, not a place of judgment or looking down on people. It's, it's quite the opposite. I'm saying you do you in that sense. You need to figure out what, what's your language? What's, what's the thing that speaks to you? You know, not everybody loves high-intensity aerobics. Some people love cycle indoors. Some people insist they have to. Why do we have so many different things? That's because we're so different as people. So apply that when it comes to your spirituality. Or if some people don't like the word spiritual, uh, you know, just a sense of um, the element of you that wants to find out more or wants to feel safer in the world. I really feel like what is propelling most people to do so many different things is fear. And the reason why they hold on to so many practices, they don't actually stop to see their own progress. You know, you'll just see them constantly finding the next thing, the next thing, next thing, because they actually are too afraid to let go. You know, they're too afraid to be alone with themselves. Where I think the problem lies is when people are knowingly uh, convincing people to hand over money for nonsense remedies that don't really do anything or keep you locked in. You know, there is that philosopher, Alan Watts, who used to talk about, he was very much into the Tao and he said, my job isn't to get you coming back to me again and again, essentially. He wasn't really interested in people coming to him every, every month for the rest of their lives. He, he, he wanted to equip people with a sense of a core 
a core understanding of what life is so that they could go off on their own and be. He said, I, I can always get new people, but I need you to go out and, and be able to do that without me. And I thought that was a really refreshing take. I mean, he's long gone now, but it was, you don't see that a lot. You see a lot of up, up sort of upgrades and by this activation and just nonsense stuff that doesn't make any sense. And it's, 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 you know, people are suggestible because they're in pain and they're afraid. And this is the, the problem. It, it traffics, I suppose it markets to pain points as all businesses do, by the way. As oh, all, but it's also the time yeah. when you seek out these things is usually when you're at a low point or feeling vulnerable and maybe you've come out of a relationship or you're at a career crossroads. So the time that we're seeking stuff to help us is also when we're the most vulnerable to hundred percent, yeah. Those sort of things. And if you sign up to one of those courses, of which I have, you then become on some list that you're then getting sent another one and another one, as you say. Yeah. Like so it becomes and an it end probably cycle. helped you. It probably helped you at the start. And that's how they get you. Because a lot of the time these things do help you. But the problem is they're not teaching you how to not need them. Yeah, no, I went to a so, really interesting you know, um <laughs> here I'm saying I don't do any of these things and I've been to a few things like this, but I went to this thing called um, TRE. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's, it's trauma release exercises. And they, they basically just give you a, 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 you know, five or six steps of exercises. And your body goes into this natural shake, sort of tremor release thing. Um, and apparently it releases anxiety and stress. And, and, and this lady taught me that. And you can come home and you can do that any other time. So in one time, you've learned something that might make you ongoing manage that stress and anxiety. So I, I thought that was amazing. Um, I want to touch, touch on a couple of the things in the book um, and no, in no particular order. Um, and you discuss way more than this, but we don't have enough time to cover everything. So um, firstly, I, I wanted to talk very briefly about psychics because people I've been talking to about your book, everyone asked me about psychics. It's kind of such a mainstream thing to ask about, but it is something that most of my friends were asking about. Um, so again, you know, it, it seems the times that we are interested in visiting a psychic is when we are at a crossroads or we're maybe in our early 20s and feeling a little bit vulnerable and we want some reassurance that how our life is going to progress. From your experience and research, do you think seeing a psychic is helpful? I mean, can people really see into our future and should we really want to find out about what's going to happen ahead of time? So I, I do think that... Uh Personally, from my experience and because I, I actually quite like tarot cards and oracle cards myself, I do think you can get a weather reading sometimes about what's brewing, what's coming. I, I do think there are a lot of um, terrible psychics. <laughs> I think there are a lot of good psychics. I think that, though, you should never be going to a psychic to tell you the future, which sounds silly. So but what do you mean you exactly by a weather reading? I like, I like the description, yeah. but if we can just dig into you, that. You should be going, if you're going to a psychic, there are, I actually set out some suggestions in the book of what I think people should be thinking about and looking out for. Um, if you go to a psychic and you're in a low spot, okay, and let's just say, let's use the weather metaphor, it's absolutely storming outside, it's destroyed your garden, your house, you're feeling terrible, and then you go to the psychic and they're like, well, the sun's going to come out, don't worry. It will feel good for five minutes and then you walk out and your garden is still ruined and the storm is still going and all of that. So it actually isn't very helpful to you because you walk out just with the expectation that eventually the sun will come and there's nothing I have to do to do that because it's just going to come. So the problem with the early stages of going to a psychic is that if they're telling you this is going to happen and this is going to happen and you're not there yet, you're hearing something that is completely irrelevant to you because you can't actually 
you're not on the same level of that event happening. And you feel like you don't have to do anything because that's going to happen. So I'll just sit around on my ass. It's temporary pain relief is what it is. And I know because that was me when I first started going to psychic. So it was when I was in a a hard place in life and I wanted to know that life was going to be better. But very few of them ever gave me practical suggestions on what I was doing or really what the energy of my life was at the time. So I think this is where a psychic, if you want to, I mean, to be honest, the, the best psychics I've ever dealt with don't like to call themselves psychics for this very reason because they're seen as scammers, they're seen as liars. And there are some amazing women out there, especially who are just incredibly intuitive souls who can help you to tune into yourself. And that's the other thing a good psychic would do is that they actually don't try to hand you the answers. They try to help you find them. So I, I think that it's very easy to generalize. And I absolutely think there is an industry there that is problematic sometimes, but I, I also don't think it's as bad as that. <laughs> so it's sort of I, like I a spiritual spiritual therapist. They're bringing out what you, you need to discover in yourself. The problem is when, yeah, but if they're not doing that, they, they can become like a drug where you constantly just, I know people who go to psychics constantly. Oh, so I used to ring those 1-800 numbers when I was about 16, like daily. <laughs> right. Yeah. But even then, like it's not, so they'll be like looking out for the next be- big recommendation of the best psychic. Oh, I heard this woman's amazing. And so, like I said, it, it becomes a hit. You go in and you hear exactly what you want to hear. You walk away and you do nothing. Mm. And it doesn't help you. And it doesn't help you to say, well, there's a guy coming and he has blonde hair. And because then you start to create that reality. And maybe it was just nonsense. Maybe it was, you know, <laughs> I don't like you don't know what a person is seeing or feeling for you, but it doesn't really matter if you don't see or feel it for yourself. It's highly relevant. So really a psychic uh, experience needs to be someone you really resonate with, you connect to. I personally think cards are great. They're a therapeutic tool. Now, is that someone else reading the cards or you reading yourself? Because when you start, I started reading your book and you were talking about oracle cards. I didn't even know what that was. I mean, I used to. Oracle's good, yeah. So is that you reading your own cards or is that someone else reading? Tell me about what oracle cards are. I don't exactly know what they are. Okay, yeah. So oracle cards are are more generally uh, cards that are a bit more uplifting. Not necessarily they can still deal with sorrow and pain, but they're very general. So you don't really need to understand sort of an architecture of the cards, whereas tarot has an arcana, has major arcana and minor arcana, which means they have suits, cups, swords. It's complicated. You need to really learn tarot. You need to learn how to read those cards because they mean one thing one way. They mean another thing upside down if you want to read reverse cards. They also mean different things in different positions. Then they interconnect and relate to each other, whereas oracle cards are really, they're kind of like flashcards. It's like, you know, one card might say sorrow. One card might say clarity. Uh, it really depends on the oracle So do you think card. it just oracle triggers cards. in your head already? I know when I did that weird dance therapy, what came out of it was obviously just kind of what was brewing in my mind, but that was just the channel that I came. So you use these cards to, it's almost like your own little self-help tool. Yeah, they're prompts. They're not really giving you anything you don't have within yourself already. I, I don't think that that's why I say be sparing with psychic visits because you're essentially going to someone else. The best way a psychic is useful to you is in holding up a mirror. And I think that's what cards do. Cards unlock something in your mind where you can let go of the outside world for a moment and tune in and sort of be honest with yourself and understand truly what is going on. It's not for everyone. I think that um, 
it, there's an explosion of these decks now. So you see I'm going to do everywhere. some research though, because I was kind of fascinated that I, yeah, it's just not my world. So for you, you know all the the people involved and the different types of decks. I'd never I'm heard of it. Fascinated by this sort of thing though. So one thing one thing you need to understand about me is that I'm such an inquisitive person. I'm curious. I want to understand certain things. I also come from a culture that loved that loves coffee cup readings. And my mother told me that back in the day when she was a kid in the Middle East, you know, a woman used to go around the neighbourhood with a bag of seashells and she'd pour them out and read your seashells, which is, I think, called uh, conchomancy. I think that's what it's called. Um, but there are so many different ways that people try to divine information or unlock knowledge of themselves um, I think where it becomes problematic is when you feel like you need answers that will make you feel better for five minutes and then you don't actually have a toolkit to really get better so that you don't need that. I like that uh, you I said really that. I didn't think of it being like addictive. I mean, I know self-help books of that sort of that genre. It was always a joke that people, you know, who buy one, then buy another. They keep thinking the next one's going to fix them. I guess with these this sort of practices, it's similar. Yeah. Absolutely. It's um, a problem in the new age and self-help, this idea that there's always something to fix that you're not perfect as you are and yet you are, you're perfect. So it's this confusing messaging that we're getting which at once tells us that we are, we should 100% love and embrace ourselves. We're perfect as we are, but here are 500 books you need to read in order to... And all of them essentially have probably the there's 10 pieces of information like you were saying that you yeah. know this new age practices it's not new information Overlap, same as yeah. the guy you mentioned mark manson he drives me nuts he's a little bit of a smug twat because he oh, yes. <laughs> he has he has said that he i mean i've been to see him speak and he is, you know, taking a little bit of the Stoics and a little bit of this and a little bit of that and putting it all together. Yep. And yeah, he says, fuck this, fuck that and whatever. And and I, I think he's very clever and I think his writing's really good. And I, I write a, a lot of stuff that he does too, but I think he's sort of created this ownership as if it's his own teachings. And most of this self-help and these new age practices, as you say, are a handful of things that are just done in different ways. Um, one thing I, I am quite fascinated about is this idea of manifesta manifestation, and I've got another guest who's coming on in a couple of weeks who writes about manifesting love in your life. Um, so what, what do you think about that? Is, is this something that we can really will ourselves to find love or get rich or be promoted? I mean, does it work? And, and should we try and, you know, try and get all our wants and desires magically? And, and if we don't, how depressing is that if, if it doesn't work? What are your thoughts on manifestation? Um, I think you, okay. Yeah, I, I do a whole section on this because I, I think it's complex. I think you can manifest things sometimes. I think the more important question to ask is why am I trying to manifest this? Because there is something very needy and pushy about saying, I need this to happen in order to be happy. I need this in order to feel complete or whatever it is. Now, I'm not begrudging people's desire for love or acceptance or wealth or whatever it is that you want, uh, you do you. But the, the idea of manifesting things can become quite, it's so external, it's so separate to who you are, there's no in, internal aspect to that. It's very, if you're using, I mean, vision boards, for example, I just find them a bit exhausting. It's, it's sort of, a, it's like a, a to-do list that you can't control. And I think that manifesting, what I think is really happening in all honesty, and this is based on years of personal experience and research, is I actually think or believe things are constantly manifesting all the time and your job is not to decide what you want to manifest but to tune into what is manifest for you so you so, tend to notice sorry. if you're manifesting for something and then that happens you go oh that was me but it was actually happening anyway you're just more tuned to it i think so 
I think so. So, for example, uh, I'll give you an example of something that, that was completely hilarious a few years back. This was many years ago, actually. And I remember just writing down something really shallow, like I really won an all-expenses-paid trip overseas uh, for work. I don't know why I wrote that. It's not even something I care about. But at the time, I think I was bored. You know, this is what happens when you're bored, when you feel like something's missing. You look for the external validation from the world, I guess. And literally two weeks later, I got offered to go to Indonesia to cover like a fashion festival. (laughs) All expenses paid. And I remember thinking, look at me, I'm magic. (laughs) I'm on fire. Like what's... (laughs) And on the plane, I remember running into this woman as I was going to the bathroom and she she just point blank started telling me that she'd manifested this trip. And I said, oh, what do you mean you manifested it? She said, oh, I wanted I wanted to go to whatever place she was going. And so I I, um, I manifested it and I won this trip. And she said, I, win, I, I manifest everything. I, I constantly win things and I constantly, and I thought, oh, okay. So I, I don't know, it really stayed in my mind how she said that. And I actually think all she was doing was tuning into what was coming towards her. So for me, I don't think I manifested that trip. I think that trip was manifest and it was coming towards me. And I think I just had somehow, without connecting to myself, truly understood that, hey, there's something that's coming my way and I really want that. And I I suppose that's what manifestation really is. The, The reason why I don't think it's completely a problem, though, is because I think ritual is really healthy. Ritual is a great way to... Uh, sort of step outside of yourself and allow things the better thing to do my advice to people would be and I'm not an expert this is just years of of experience it's okay to have ideas about what you think would be great It's, it's important because otherwise you're just directionless you don't really know what you're doing but it's also really important to be open enough to say this would be lovely but what else is possible for me and I think that that's a really important way to live because some of the best things that have ever happened to me were never things I planned or manifested they were they were coming to me because I got out of my own way and I I really just allowed life to unfold for me I absolutely think being open is such a key thing and one of the when we talk about the sort of type of friends or people you're attracted to they're either you know the yes people or the no people and some people you're like hey why don't we you know next week let's go get a picnic and go do yes and some people straight away just shut stuff down and so to me with this manifesting or positive thinking or you see these people who always seem to be so lucky god everything happens to that person and I think it's just because they are open to the possibility they are saying yes to things. And if you say yes to something, then you're much more likely to meet that guy that you want to meet or you're much more likely to uh, network with someone who will give you an opportunity for a job. And so I think there's something about being open and positive does bring more luck and positivity. Um, 100%. Like, is it, like you know, I, I come from, I'm in a career that is really difficult and it's notoriously difficult being a writer, a screenwriter, an author. A lot of people think it's a thankless job that, you know, it's it's only a rare few who are lucky enough to live off it. And uh, I think that a lot of the time success comes through a combination of persistence, talent and luck. And luck will only show up if you're persistent. Yeah, And you'll great. only be persistent if you have talent. So you have to sort of look at things in that way where it's kind of uh, you are it 
this is not this is not like you're not manifesting some higher version of yourself you're already that higher version you just need to figure out how to be in tune with that higher version of you if that makes sense and that's why practices are important and i i highly stress that i think meditation or some sort and some sort of creative outlet are essential practices for people oh i agree with you. i think people who don't have any creative outlet i, I I feel really sorry for them, not in a patronizing way, but I, no. I just can't understand what it would be like not to have that way of exploring yourself. Yeah, well, but, but like that's the thing. So all these people you mentioned who are manifesting the cars, the holidays, is it ever enough? That's the question I would ask. Once you get that holiday and you're posting the, sh- the photos on Instagram and it feels good for like you're getting that hit of the likes and hashtag best life and, every, you know, hashtag blessed and all this sort of stuff and then when you're left all alone to yourself how do you really feel is it enough is it giving you some sort of fulfillment your job isn't to sort of create the external best life it's to actually be your best self and I I don't think it comes through uh personally I don't think it comes through items and having the best car and and I, I I honestly like the the examples I have of that are endless I know people with enormous wealth who are not happy and they they can absolutely go and buy that expensive car when they've had their heart broken (laughs) but guess what the that hasn't addressed the internal longing the internal need the internal sadness and this is the thing it's it's okay i'm not judging possessions i think it's totally fine to want the new phone but what else is happening there like how do you balance that out so that that's not the thing you're writing on that's the thing you're depending on there's just a vacuum cleaner outside just tell me if you can hear it I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Um, One of the things I I wanted to also touch on, because this is something that fascinates me, you talk about that um, guy, uh, Joe Dispenza, um, and I only learned about him by watching that documentary, Heal. Um, So for those of you who don't know him, he's a bit of a rock star in this world, and he's written a few books about how we can rewire our brain and stuff like that. And at the start of this documentary, he talks about how he... um, healed his you're never going to walk again back um by literally imagining the bones fusing together and it's a fascinating thing you're like wow this is amazing he spent hours and hours and hours and he trained and now he's amazing and he's you know wants to heal other people and does these workshops so so one side I'm kind of think oh he's brilliant and I'm fascinated to read about him and I definitely think you can rewire your brain and we have much more capability than we know but on the other side, I don't like the fact that if someone in my life is sick or if I was sick and I can't heal myself, it's my fault. How, how do we kind of blend that duality? Because I, I do think you you feel definitely pain and stress is felt in your body. Like I know when I've had like financial hardship, I used to have chronic back pain. Um, so on one side, I think we are responsible for our pain in our body. But on the other side, it's not our fault. How, how do you kind of balance the duality of that? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of telling people that their illness is their fault. Uh, I don't agree with that thinking and I also think it's just not helpful. I, I think we're responsible for our responses. So we're responsible for how we deal with something. So if you're experiencing grief or sorrow or pain, what are you doing to try to help yourself? And I, so I think that's important. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza is really very much about <laughs> his stuff is intense because you've got to do a lot of it 
for it to work. And it's quantum and I, physics, I say, which I don't know what that is. Well, it's all, everything is quantum physics now. So, I mean, just chuck I it in there and you sound smart. Well, no, because, well, this is the thing. So I do Vedic meditation and Vedic meditation is a transcending technique. And that, that talks about the quantum field as well, but that's, it's a 5,000 year old tradition. So it's actually not new, as I said. Uh, so what Joe Dispenza is doing, I, I suppose, and I'm not putting words into his mouth here, but really what he's doing is fusing new age with science. He's trying to get more credibility in the area of new age, I suppose, which is a lot of a lot of uh, new ages are now trying to do. You know, they want legitimacy. So that that becomes, you know, the minute you bring science into something, something that's provable, then it becomes legitimate. My concern with any kind of instructor is take what you need and keep moving. Like I don't think you should ever be subscribed to one person and that's that's when you Yeah, because people do get obsessed with one particular person, don't they? I agree. And, and, and then, let's be honest, they're in it for the... better then? Yeah. Are, are you actually getting better then if you are becoming obsessed? Because if you're constantly just needing the next thing, the next thing, the next this or that, you're actually not really better, are you? That's, yeah. Because you can't actually, so so that would, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. I was just saying. No, no, that. no, I, it's absolutely, it's like what you said before, it's that addiction thing. And it's something I hadn't really considered in this realm, but I, I do think, you know, but you, there again, there are certain things. So I wanted to ask you like, what are the things that you have found? And it, I know it'll be different for everyone, but what are the things that you have found consistently the most useful and that you continue to use now? Like you, you've mentioned the Vedic meditation quite a bit, that and yeah. the cards are those, what are the sort of the practices that you found the most helpful in your everyday life? For me personally, meditation is number one. My creative life is also essential to me. My creative life is my spiritual life in my mind. I think that uh, <clears throat> I tune in a lot, which means I, I really have slowed down a lot in life where I try to hear for the truth of something or listen for the truth. I, I really have pulled back on desire, if that makes sense, which doesn't mean I don't want anything anymore, but I don't feel the need to focus on that next thing. Maybe Focus on what, yeah, I, I don't get pleasure out of achievement in, in the sense of um, when this happens, I'm going to be happy or when, you know, I've, I've, I've achieved some major milestones in my life and I learned very quickly that it's true. You don't suddenly wake up and feel like you're complete or happy. And so we are works in progress, but we don't have to suffer. So that would be the biggest thing for me is what alleviates suffering in you so that you can hear yourself and understand who you are. And also that's really work key. out what it is you really want. That's one thing I've found in the last few years. I've been like, you know, I think I want this, you know, do I want to write a, you know, a, a great novel? I, I want to say I've written a novel, but do I actually want to do the work to get there? Or, you know, you might that's think there point. are certain things that you want, but and that might be someone else has told you something and, you know, it's, it's something your parents would be proud of or, I think it, it, it's really, and it comes back to, as you say, self-awareness. I mean, if, if we can be self-aware and then ultimately self-accepting, then that's the holy grail, I think. And all well, of this is about that. So much, you don't care so much what other people think of you. You don't really spend your whole life on, on, internet, on the internet fighting with other people because they don't agree with your thoughts. That's a divide that is unnecessary. We are actually all connected, I believe. And you know we're otherwise how we so affected by each other you know it's but I think the thing you said then was interesting there are two things that I want to say about that wanting to write a novel for example first of all maybe you do want to write a novel but two years later you don't pay attention to that it's totally fine you've evolved and so your desires evolve with you and also maybe an opportunity passes you by and it's time for the next opportunity happens all the time but the more tuned in you are the less you're going to miss the cues from 
the universe, let's say. The other thing I would say is if you want to do something but you don't actually really want to do it, <laughs> you want the idea of it. And we have to be really careful of that because that happens all the time. I'm guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of it, which means I like the idea of this or this achievement, but I actually don't enjoy the process at all. So why are you doing it? Yeah. And I Does it really resonate do. with your kind of true meaning? No. And I, cause I've done creative coaching with people and uh, I, I, as in I, I'm the creative coach and I see very similar patterns as a lot of, I should do this. I should do that. This will give me this. If I do this, this will happen. Or, but actually the stuff they enjoy doing the most, the stuff that doesn't feel like a chore, the thing that, that would give them more pleasure is probably more likely to give them a better outcome if they apply their attention to that, you know, if they actually just. And that's like those that. things that when you do, honestly, you get in the flow and you're like, wow, you know, I've, I've just lost two hours of time and, I, you know, I loved yes. that. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it. it's a luxury for a lot of people, obviously, you know, most of us are paying mortgages and, and going to work and, and just getting home and waiting for the weekends. One thing I found really interesting about th this whole COVID not being able to travel thing is I realized I was also planning my life between my trips because I travel a lot. So it would be, okay, I'm just got three months and then I'm going here or three months, then I'm going there. And now I don't have any, I'm going there. I have to go, oh, I actually have to enjoy the bit in the middle, which is that my life. Be, yeah. <laughs> that would be confronting and an interesting conversation to have with you, actually. I'd be really interested to know what you've learned about yourself in that process because I wrote at the beginning of the, at the, uh, the, beginning of the pandemic, I wrote a piece for Mianjin and I said, I don't think this pandemic will change a lot of people. It will test them. And a lot of people will fail the test because the minute things get back to normal, it's like, oh, great, I can be myself again. But I, I really feel like the greatest treasure lies in in not knowing everything. When you're not that comfortable. In, yeah, in, in, well, but the thing is, like, I really think you can tell a lot about the more people suffer, the less in tune they are. And you mentioned, you know, privilege and absolutely, like a lot of people think New Age is the domain of, you know, eastern suburbs, mums who wear activewear to the supermarket and there is absolutely that section of the New Age. But it's also kind of insulting to say that only privileged people understand. That's not true at all. If In fact, that's a very cosmetic understanding sometimes. The true essence of New Age is existing. It's been existing for a long time and many of us understand it already, which is that there is something greater than us. There's something greater than outside, like our, like our external world that we tap into every day. And there's a joy in being in union with that so that we can see what what our life opens up for us. Whereas if we come in with this sense of I'm going to manifest with this crystal, this exact outcome, basically you are being a dictator of your own life and you're saying I can't be happy unless that happens and this person always does this and I really I can't stand it and I can't be happy. I'd be perfect if this. So in other words, my happiness is entirely reliant on other people behaving exactly as I want them to behave. It's just never going to happen. It's well, it's also, of course it's not going to happen because what you're never going to, like, but you need to be able to build yourself up to be resilient enough to not care, to Which know, to work. have the sensitivity to know when to really apply that care, to say, well, actually today is a day where I really need to express fear or distrust versus I'm going to live in a perpetual state of everybody is crap and everything is crap and the world is working against me and or versus I have to think so positively that my head's going to explode because it's exhausting. Honestly, if you have a bad thought, you haven't brought anything bad on yourself. It's totally it's fine. It's just a thought, like, isn't it? it it's I, your reaction want, to that thought that's the problem. It's a really, really toxic thing to tell people that your thoughts create your reality in a way where, where they don't really understand what that means. 
and I, I, I absolutely think your thoughts contribute to your well-being and how you feel in the world. There's no doubt about it. But just take a look at YouTube and see all the creatives around the world who are very lo-fi doing things with their creative outlets, you know, dancers, singers, uh, artists, people who are absolutely expressing themselves and it's a joy and it's not about the money. It's that this is their way of being in the world and it adds value to other people's lives and maybe they eventually do make money out of it. But that doesn't take a lot of money, you know, for people to do that. And that is, a, to me, spiritual expression as well of the highest order because they have tuned into who they are and what they have to offer. So if you can live in your kind of your own lane and find something to do creatively, I, I think there was, I think it's Derek Sivers who wrote a thing about the happiest people he knows are the ones that don't have to make money from their creativity. So they have a job that makes them money and then they do the creative stuff because they love it. And he said those tend to be the happiest people. If you're somebody, however, who is actually striving to succeed in your creative field, which, you know, many people are, then you really need to also look at the practical side of that. But there are ways to enjoy that process too and, and sort of say, well, once again, I need to tune into if, if something feels like I'm just pushing it uphill, does it need to be pushed uphill? Is this, am I actually following the wrong path here? Because I don't actually think you should have so much resistance to things sometimes. I think sometimes I've forced things for myself because I really wanted them and I got them and then they didn't really deliver the outcome that I thought that they would deliver. Now, if I look back and I go, well, that was meant to be, I was just meant to do that, maybe I wasn't. I don't know. Yeah, I, but I, I know. Someone else I says something like, what, what would this look like it? if this was easy? And that's, well, I like how you talk about things shouldn't, although it, life can be a struggle and it can be hard to get things we want, I think, as you say, if you feel like it's constantly a struggle and you're uphill. It's resisting uphill, you. Yeah, like I think, I don't, I don't want to downplay uh, hard work. I'm a hard worker. I don't mean it's easy for me and that nothing feels like it's an effort. I, I think you should apply effort. But if something is clearly not wanting you back, <laughs> I think it's I think a sign. You, I mean, you should just. I, no, I think I think that's when you do the ritual. That's when you go to the conscious dance class. That's when you do something and you say, "Okay, what am I missing here? Why do I want this so badly when it's so clearly not happening for me?" And if I release the brakes, and will I skid out of control, or will I will just this whole construct disappear? Because I know that the, the most common things that people care about are falling in love. Wealth and their bodies. That's essentially what one witch in the book talks about. She says that it's the same. She said basically it's the same stuff yeah. all the time that people care about for millennia. This is like, I don't know. I don't want to downplay millennia ago, but like, you know, it's a sense of we care about how people receive us. Um, so that ties in with body. It ties in with our uh, significance, our relevance to the world. This is really what we're striving for every day is we want to feel significant. We want to feel like we matter. But if we don't matter to ourselves, it really is irrelevant how much you matter to you're not gonna, else. Uh, Yeah, you're not going to be able to have very functional relationships if you don't like yourself. Well, but also because it's not everybody else's job to like you. It's not like I, I think I, 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 there's one healer I've worked with who always talks about the rule of three. She calls it, I think, the rule of thirds, where there's one group of people who are your people. There's a second group who are kind of, you know, people you might go to their funeral, but they're not necessarily, you know, completely simpatico. And there's that third group that no matter what you do, just don't care about you. They're not going to like you, whatever. And I mean, it's, let's generalize it that way, but it makes sense. How, and so many of us spend our time on that last third, yeah. that last third. We want their acceptance. And as someone who has been sort of to an extent in the public eye, I can tell you now that 
one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was don't read the comments that people write on your pieces because you will honestly just see negativity. Because most and you don't people, even know those people. They mean nothing to you. And yet that all you'll see is that one bad comment. <laughs> yeah. And so your day's been ruined. They haven't actually given your piece any thought. They haven't really thought about you. They're expressing their own anger and vulnerability in their comments, which is like without a doubt. So why would you depend like on these people to give you a sense of self? You need to be strong and resilient in a way that is not like this false Instagram friendly strength where you know, I, I see a lot of things of, you know, sort of very inspirational quotes and motivational quotes in this sense that people always feel incomplete and, like, you're not meant to be complete. You're here to learn and grow. It's not, <laughs> there's no destination you're going to get to where you suddenly go, all right, I'm done, that's it, fine. I mean, I think the only time people ever have that is death, literally. Like, that's it and that's 100% death rate, right? So we're all going to go. So I, I, I'm not trying to be flippant here. I'm being honest that, what we're afraid of is, I think, having an insignificant life where we haven't enjoyed ourselves. But if your day comprises you constantly having to school yourself on how to be that person, how is that a great life? It's not very enjoyable, is it? Now, I could literally, I'm not joking, it's, we've been talking for 48 minutes. I could talk to you for about three more hours, but um, I know that generally people have said to me they want to have it on their commute. So I am going to have to wrap it up, but I definitely get you back on the show and we'll just dig into loads of other stuff. I've, so much sure. stuff I haven't touched on. We haven't talked about crystals. I haven't asked you about energy healing, but w next time, um, I guess just to wrap up, I mean, what would you say to people who are listening and who either are flirting with the idea of trying some of these spiritual practices or that are obsessed and feel a bit weird about it. What would you say to people about the world of woo-woo and, and, and should they give it a go? Uh, be sceptical. Ask questions. It's fine. Uh, use your common sense. If something costs $900 and it says activation in it, it don't run, just don't do it. <laughs> I think you really, you don't need to drop a bomb to find in a piece and all of those things, but don't also get put off just because you have to pay someone something to give you a lesson because they've had to pay other people to give them lessons. So a lot of people who are charging you for their services, it's because they've spent money learning. They've, they've spent their own money and time trying to cultivate knowledge and pass it on that there are not everyone in that world is a scammer either. So use your discernment. I think if people are discerning, you'd be surprised at how much, they would avoid in terms of troublesome, you know, uh, sort of miracle cures and things mm. like that. I think when we're outside of ourselves, we slip into this. It's like a slipstream of just ignorance, of just thinking that I. It, this is a good sign. If you're not ever really questioning anything and you're just accepting the words of one person or one ideology, that's when you know you're not really thinking for yourself. You are absolutely just, I have to adhere to this because this is easy don't be afraid of it feeling a bit hard at first because this this to me is the most nourishing, rich experience of life is to know yourself better and be a better citizen and to be a better person to your family members and your friends and that's how you do it. You don't do it by accumulating wealth and cars and mm. I'm not explore evolve grow yeah. try things experiment um you say in the book which is great which is kind of what you just said which is you don't need to empty your wallet to find your bliss you don't you don't you don't and I, I but also don't be afraid to pay if you have to pay someone you know a hundred dollars to spend a day learning something if it's a technique that helps you use your use your common sense yeah you just know, don't, if, don't if be beholden to it for the rest of your life exactly just take what works um yeah Brilliant. Evolve. 
Brilliant. Open to evolution. Everyone, you need to go and buy this book because there's loads of stuff in there. It's called In My Past Life, I Was Cleopatra. I am going to leave um, details how to buy it on the show notes. I'm going to try and also get Amal to give me some little extra goodies and resources and things so people maybe can start exploring or, or maybe if there are... Um, safe places that you can find practitioners or if there's any advice around that so I'd love to get some of that off you um but I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show I've had the best time over and out that's all the time we have this podcast is brought to you by the fine people well me at thinrichhappy.com if you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more be sure to subscribe or if you really enjoyed this episode please leave a review which will help other people find the podcast for extra podcast goodies you can visit belesscrap.com